Welcome back to Straight to DVD. Raphael, welcome back. We are here once again on another spectacular week of movie magic mayhem. Hey. <laughs> uh, we're talking a classic filmmaker today and a classic film and musical that has been reimagined for the silver screen. Josh Trank's Fantastic Four. <laughs> yes, the Class musical. Classic filmmaker <laughs> making, remaking a classic. O originally premiered on Broadway in 1967. Yeah. <laughs> did you say musical? I did, yes. I missed that. Sorry. That's okay. The joke still lands, I think. Dude, just call me the Joker. Because <laughs> uh, I'm here joking. Speaking of, this is completely unrelated, but in yeah. the next time we're recording together, we'll know if, yeah. if my... Uh, prophecy about Joaquin Phoenix's Joker popping up at the end of uh, Matt Reeves' The Batman was true or not. I really hope it's not. I actually, I, I tweeted out from, from the STD Twitter that if, if you are right, everyone owes you a beer and a high five. But if you're wrong, you get to be shunned as a hack for, or shamed I, as a hack for I, the rest of time. So what, what a thing to gain as everyone, <laughs> every, every single person owes you a beer at some point. That's true. I have a lot to lose though. I didn't realize this was, yeah. <laughs> this was this, yeah. what was on the line. No, I don't, I don't think you're, you're a hack. If I, I really hope that prediction is not, not true. I, I, I don't think it's going to happen. I hope, I, I would imagine they have some restraint. Yeah. But, uh, it was probably proposed to Matt Reeves and he said, fuck no. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure somebody was like, well, "What if Joaquin pops up?" Or there's yeah. a reference to Joaquin. Uh, but that's neither here nor there. That's you know, we'll that's, get. We'll yeah, get, that's for that's for later. We'll, we'll get there when we get there. We're talking today about Steven Spielberg's West Side Story. Yes, uh, a film based on a musical, of which I am intimately familiar with. Have you been in versions of West Side Story? I've, I've never uh, done a production of it, but I've worked on a number of the materials from the show, including scenes and music. Um, so I know it very, very well. Um, and it was interesting to see a contemporarily made version, not to be confused with it taking place in contemporary mm. times. It is, in fact, a period piece, uh, but it was made today. Um, <laughs> today, today we saw the the rough edit on yeah. the the, the it's studio. They made they made it in one day. Yeah, it's unbelievable. And released it the yeah. same day. How they filmed all of that in <laughs> real time. People got murdered. Yeah, uh, it was unbelievable. Um, yes, I'm just gonna go. I was thinking about where to begin with this, um, and I I'm gonna go out and say that I enjoyed it infinitely more than I was expecting to. Um, you tell me Steven Spielberg and you tell me West Side Story and I think, oh, this is some producer or studio throwing money yeah. to make this happen for a quick buck. When the truth is that it is actually the epitome of why music and movement contribute to storytelling and how a story can be built around those things. That's a, that's a lovely way to put it. Good job. Thank you. Once again, we're done. Yes. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> Cut and print. Um, no, dude, I, I totally agree. You, you hear Steven Spielberg is remaking West Side Story, and the first thought is kind of is it's just a groan, like, eh, do we need do we need this like right now today in this in 2021 2022 do we need a Steven Spielberg version of of West Side Story or is this just a money grab and then started like the trailers started coming out and every time I like went to see a movie and I saw the trailer for West Side Story I'd think like you know that actually looks kind of bomb and I couldn't shake like the itch to experience it to see it so I went and saw it during its original theatric run in like December um so I was like you know I'll just get I'll give it a try and I was almost blown away, but I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoy this movie. But I also do have like a, a deep love for West Side Story. Um, a little backstory about why I love West yes, Side Story. Yes, please, in part. Um, I think it was my 15th, 14th or 15th birthday. 
my mom got us tickets to go see West Side Story. And I'm, you know, 14, 15 year old boy. And I'm like, ah, I don't want to go see like some dumb musical on my birthday. Like I, I want to, you know, hang out with my friends and like eat pizza. And, and I, I know the production you saw, by the way. I saw that same production. That same one in like, yeah. well, what, that was like 06 or whatever. Yeah, like 15 years ago. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I reluctantly go, go to see it with my mom and I was like absolutely blown away. I had no idea what I was getting myself into. She, she had always like been a big fan of, of the show. Um, being like a Hispanic immigrant in New York City, it, not at the same time, but like a little bit later. So like she had always had a connection to it, um, and I was like totally blown away. And I fell I fell in love with West Side Story as like a 15 year old boy, and I was like singing the songs when I left the theater. I bought a Jets and Sharks T-shirt. Like I was I was all the way in. So <clears throat> since then, I've always kind of had this like. Um, like respect and admiration for the story of West Side Story, and it's cool that this version actually kicks ass and isn't just a gross, shallow money grab. A absolutely, the the version, the the poor version of this that you're referring to, is unfortunately the thing that plagues many musicals and many movie musicals. They're so easy to get wrong. Um, because the people making them, I think, a lot of the time, uh, and we may have talked about this uh, within the Heights, mm -hmm. um, you know, why is something a musical, right? Why is this not just a movie or a play? Um, and the reason is because it's just another avenue of storytelling. It's just another tool mm -hmm. to convey to an audience something that's happening. In this case in an interesting way via the music and the movement. I think I, I, I realized right off the bat, because I didn't really know... Uh, this movie, I don't think... It kind of went under my radar in terms of press-wise and yeah. people's opinions of it. I just I watched it, it. I think it bombed at the box yeah. office. Um, I was like one of three people to see it in theaters. Right. Um, I don't remember it being promoted too heavily, um, but I knew going right into it after the first couple of minutes said, okay, I'm watching something that's pretty special, pretty good. Um, because for two reasons, one, you can tell Spielberg cares. Uh, you can tell by the way he shoots these scenes, um, which by the way, and this is, this is a little, a mini tangent because it's, it has nothing to do with the two points I was just about to, about to make for a musical. This film has amazing scene work. Yeah. Um, the, the book is mostly completely redone by Tony Kushner. Mm -hmm. um, the, the, the scenes and the dialogue and the script itself are, are very different in the play. The, the, the story beats are essentially the same, but the scenes are written to be much deeper. We get more insight into the characters. Yeah. Uh, you know, we get more, uh, we get a more mature outlook into the reality of what's going on. Yeah in this high tension, for lack of a better word, society between these yeah. two groups of people. Um, so I, we'll come back to the scene stuff, but I just want to point out that like, I was very impressed with that. But the, the two things being that you can tell that he's, he's crafting each moment from the get-go, from that long, yeah. wide shot of like the neighborhood changing. Dude, that opening crane shot is just ridiculous. Yeah. And it, it does, it like, I mean, it sets up the rest of the movie. Mm -hmm. You Like like you said, you know from the jump that, oh, this is something that's kind of special. This is a filmmaker who actually cares about the the, the piece of art that he's sculpting and right. putting out into the world. This isn't just like Steven Spielberg going and, and like farting out Indiana Jones 4. Right. Like, this is a dude who cares about what he's going to give to us. Absolutely. And, you know, it's... It's a classic example of show, don't tell. It's not, the movie doesn't start off, I mean, you know, we get scenes where they're talking about the neighborhood changing, but we already know that based on what we're being shown. Uh, there's no dialogue, it's just, look, Lincoln Center's being built. Yeah. Places that used to be there are being demolished. Oh, okay, we're in a world that's changing. Doesn't matter the time period, whatever that's communicated to us right off the bat. And guess what? That's what the movie is about. Mm -hmm. um, and in, in addition to 
Spielberg imparting all his talents with this film, it's, I think that it's such a prime example of really working closely with people who understand musical theater and now music in film, musicals in film, and how to lean into what a dance between two characters can mean mm -hmm. and what choreography dictates to us about what's going on with a character. Like, and, and this is all stuff that's been said already about the, the stage musical, which yeah. when it first came out, it, you know, was... Blue minds. It blew minds because of these things, but it's just like the choreography, like the tension in these characters, like, yeah. yes, they're doing ballet and then they're rigid. It's like, oh, okay, there's, they, they have to show restraint yeah. here. It's little things like that littered throughout the whole experience that really make not only the show in general, but this version of it, I think, shine pretty significantly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You're, you're absolutely right. Um, I think it's interesting that he, uh, that like the cast for the most part is, it's like unknown theater people. Yes. Um, mm -hmm. which is hard cause it's like, we, we've talked about this before and you can, you can talk about this more, but like not everyone who is good at stage acting in musicals can translate that into acting on screen even if it is a musical, but the, just like what went into the casting, like all across the board, except for, uh, Ansel, which we'll, we'll get to, mm -hmm. but everyone else is like dynamite in this. They're all fantastic. Like they found the perfect people with the appropriate stage background who can also translate that to the big screen. Um, besides, Bes well, besides Ansel, you, 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 raise a point right now that I've been lingering on that I was wondering when I was going to bring up. Yeah. It's, it's funny to me that, like you said, you have all for these, for lack of a better word, uh, unnamed, uh, unknown yeah. uh, actors and actresses in this that are all fantastic. Mm -hmm. um, and it's funny to me that the weakest link of the whole part, the weakest link of the whole party is in fact the biggest movie star in the film. Yeah. Um, in fact, I think that's the film's biggest flaw is our leading character is just a bore to watch. Yeah. <laughs> um, Not to mention the fact that he's also an awful person. Yeah, there are some significant allegations against yeah. him, which seem to be fairly likely true. Yeah. Uh, you know, this podcast isn't about... Uh, you know, discussing these things, but it's hard to avoid yeah. when we're talking about a film who's leading, who, actually, it's funny, uh, I, I, I question if I wonder why the film didn't get promoted as much because that came out at the same yeah. time. And it was like, how do we promote this film when our leading man is... And it was all, like, shot, part. like, well before. Yeah. You know what I was thinking? We could just do this with all movies that um, that feature an actor and it's usually an actor it's really never going to be an actress who has like like awful things that are unearthed about them mm -hmm. um we just replace all of them with tignataro oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> everyone just goes the Zack snyder route and just replace it digitally replaces whoever the 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 character is with tignataro we it's funny you know we i i think we talked about that in the uh uh, the Army of the Dead yeah. uh, episode we did, but I think I think it's it's an amazing showcase for Tig, <laughs> the fact that all those scenes were done, and there was no one there to work with. She's just on, on a green on a green screen set. She, she's doing all that acting alone. <laughs> so it's like holy, like wow, that's amazing. That's that was my biggest takeaway from Army of the Dead. I was like, this is an ama amazing showcase for Tig that she can do these things. That's Wouldn't that be great if every movie with just like every Woody Allen movie, you just replace oh, yeah. Woody with Tig Natal? Yeah, uh, I, that'd be fantastic. Yeah. I want the Tig Matic universe too. Um, it's funny, you're Tig. We need you. We need you, Tig. We got the green screen all set up. <laughs> That's just her whole career going forward. Right. Always, always on call for like. Yeah, so we found out, you know, so-and-so has a pretty shady past. Uh, <laughs> can you, you know, step in for their role? Tig, we need you. Yeah. Um, it's funny. I think I think we I mentioned this in uh, our No Way Home episode as well, our Spider-Man No Way Home episode. Um, it's funny to me because we saw it at uh, Alamo Drafthouse. Yeah. 
And I think this was right before you got there. Uh, they were showing clips of the previous Spider-Man yeah. movies. And any time it was a scene with Harry Osborn played by James <laughs> Franco, they would just show a clip of Tommy Wiseau from the room <laughs> instead. It should be the two of them. It should be yeah. Tom, Tommy and Tig. Yeah. I thought, I thought, oh my God, this is genius. Whoever thought that someone was just like, oh, we can't show clips of James Franco. He's yeah. a horrible human. It's just like, just show Tommy <laughs> Wiseau. And they were like, that's great. Let's, <laughs> it's brilliant. Let's just do that. Um, anyways, uh, yes, that said, it's, it, 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 it just straight up sucks regarding yeah. this movie because the whole driving force of the plot is this guy. Yeah. So, so much of what's happening revolves around him. And so, like, anytime he was on screen, I was just like, let's just get back to the Jets and Sharks, yeah. please. Like, um, I don't know the actor who plays Bernardo. I don't know the actor who plays Riff. I don't know the actress yeah. who plays Anita. They were outstanding. They're all phenomenal. Yeah. I think, uh, what's her name? Ariana DeBose mm -hmm. is who played Anita. I think she's up for for Oscars. Good for her because she was spectacular. She was fantastic. Riff was amazing. Mm -hmm. Bernardo, amazing. Um, Maria was, she's pretty she was good. good. But I think, the, I think it was like the supporting cast that really, yeah. that really like, carried a lot of the weight that's in that, terms of like the the acting in this movie. right that's the issue with the the show itself too is that tony and maria are kind of boring yeah. it's just like the typical leading ingenue love story and it's just like oh the real meat of this is the the tension between uh you know the the caucasians and the the puerto ricans yeah um and that's where I think the choreography and the music really shine is when it's conveying those things. You know what else is cool about this movie? You, you brought up Caucasians and Puerto Ricans. What's cool about this version is that the Puerto Ricans are played by actual Hispanic people. Yes. And not just like tan Italians and Greek dudes. And they're like, yeah, you, you could pass for Puerto Rican. Like in, in the OG one, the, the what, the 61 version, mm -hmm. there's just, there's like, there's no Puerto Ricans. <laughs> None. None. They couldn't find a single Puerto Rican act. No, they, they found one. Um, uh, this is going to be awful that I can't remember her name. But the woman who played Anita in the original, mm -hmm. who's also in this version, um, I think she was the only Puerto Rican actor. I'm, I'm thrilled that this actress who played this Anita is getting a nom, or at least being recognized, because that is typically the, the show-stealing role of West Side Story. Anita's just a, a fantastic character. Um, and I think There's she has to, to go through. There. She has to go through the most. I think. Yeah. I think she has two, uh, two of the best songs in it, and she also has some of the best scenes. Yeah. Um, what, what songs? Um, uh, America, uh, which it's funny in this in the stage musical, Ber the boys don't sing with them. Bernardo doesn't sing with them. But the movie, the original, yeah. the '61 movie, they have Bernardo sing, and it's like a. A, the two different views about America, and they do that again in this, which I like because yeah. I actually think that version works better. It does. It does um, and she also sings a boy like that, uh, referencing Tony. Uh, why am I not remembering that? A song? boy like that who killed your brother. <laughs> get that boy and find another. Dude, you should play Anita. Nah. No. Nah. I'm, <laughs> I'm not. Uh, what's the word? Anything enough? <laughs> <laughs> to play to play that role, um, you're, you're not Puerto Rican or a woman. Or a woman, yes. <laughs> Nor can I dance like that. Um, that's the biggest one. It's the, it's, it's the dance. The dance. The other. The other two. I we you know, fake it till you make it. <laughs> uh, yeah. So yeah. That said, you know, it's a shame about Ansel. Not. Uh, let me be clear. It's not a shame regarding his situation. You get what you fucking deserve. <laughs> Uh, it all comes back. It all comes. It back. always comes back to Joker. Um, but it's a shame that the other immense talent in the film is sort of swept under the rug a little bit in terms of a spotlight being shined on this film because of the things he's done. Yeah. Um, it's also a shame that he sucks in this movie. Yeah, that too. Right. Yeah. It's, it's like know, a, it's like a it's a double whammy. Like, oh, you have right. this awful person who's like your star vehicle for the movie, and also. He's terrible in the movie. Right. So it's just like, not to like be like, well, you know, he's an awful person, but he was good in the movie. Like, mm -hmm. you know, that's that's not great either. But right. With this, you get both. Which it's, it's very, right. It's very easy to be like, 
oh, you suck as a human, and this performance sucks. Yeah, therefore I'm, I'm going to stay away from the movie. Right. Uh, or at least while I'm trying to watch it, have to deal with immense disinterest when you're singing your solo tunes. Yeah. But uh, at least the rest of the movie is good. Yes. Um, Cast aside, like, the movie itself is yeah. really, really good. Also, I don't know Corey Stoll was in this fucking thing in, like, two scenes. Well, he's, uh... He's, he's Lute the... Lieutenant Shrank. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He is good. Just putting on this, like, over-the-top yeah. New York noir detective. It, it's amazing. Shtick. Dude, uh, the dude who played Riff, his, uh, his like, old-school New York accent is just... Oh, it's yeah. One, it's wonderful. He's great. Um, I like that... I like that they didn't cast for him this, like, very butch, beefy, white kid. Um, because, like, gang... The, the, the point of the story is not that it's like, oh, these meatheads. It's like, oh, they're just kids. Um, and I think that that's what I really enjoyed, particularly about this version, is this is the first time in my many times of seeing it on stage and the original film of realizing like, oh, this story is just about a bunch of ignorant children. Yeah. Um, they're like, yeah, they're lost little kids. Yeah. They have no direction. They have there. It also like the fact that he's not like a big meat, meathead kind of guy. It adds some like, um, like like you're more empathetic to to Riff and his story and like why he's doing what he's doing, because he is just a kid. He's like the scrawny little kid. He's very confused. He's trying to put on this tough front, but like deep down, you know that he's that he's hurting inside, mm -hmm. and you can you can sense that from not only like the actor's performance, but also just like casting of this actor in that role. Exactly. I think that. And it, it, this is the first version, I think, to do it like this. I think Kushner added these lines. When Riff, spoiler, when Riff gets stabbed by Bernardo, it's almost like relief for yeah. Riff. Because, you know, they have that, that set up regarding his outlook, I guess, upon dying, um, where he's buying the gun and the shopkeeper selling it to him, who's like this rough and ragged guy, like pulls the gun on him. He's like, you sure you want to buy this yeah. kind of thing? And he like puts the gun even closer to his head. He's like, you might as well. So he's like, he's not afraid to die. He almost welcomes it. And that amounts to such a fantastic death scene for him because, you know, he's in shock at first and then he turns around and he looks at Tony with the knife still in him and he's like, it's okay. Yeah. It's okay. He's like, pull, pull it out. Just, just pull it out. And I was like, this is such a, like, it's so easy to do that where it's like over the top. Like, oh my, oh my God. Yeah. But it's just like, no, he's just like, he welcomes it, man. Yeah. I just thought that I'm like, it's been a while since I've seen a death scene in a movie where I was like, wow, that was a good death scene. <laughs> Dude, damn. Love a good death scene. Yeah. <laughs> Love a good death scene. Like, it was interesting. I was like, oh, we're learning something in this yeah. character's last few moments. I was like, oh, this is fucking storytelling. <laughs> this is amazing. Wow. Um, yeah. So, you know, I thought that was great. Yeah. I, and uh, and in, in addition to Riff and Anita, I think, you know, Bernardo was exceptional as well, particularly in his scene work. Yeah. Like... A lot of it, like his argument with Anita and Maria, um, I think was fantastic because like you see this man who has no choice. Like he know he does know better. He even has a scene mm -hmm. where he's talking about how he knows better. He's like, oh, it's not like I don't want to be doing this, but it's a necessity. Yeah. Or something. Well, um, that's, yeah, that's the thing. They're, it's Bernardo Riff. Like everyone is is kind of uh, they're kind of like pushed to their to their limit. Like their backs are up against the wall. They're only they're only doing this because they have no other option. Mm -hmm. Like this is all that there is for them to do. It's a it's like a very unique kind of like American desperation kind of story mm -hmm. in 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 a way, um, which is cool and it's interesting. Right. Um. I did want to ask yes. you about kind of on this topic of, of scene work. Um, so like, what did you think of the fact that the scenes in Spanish, well, one that there are so many scenes and lines delivered in Spanish and they're not subtitled. I loved it. Um, and I picked on a, up on it immediately. I was like, yeah. Oh, this is intentional. It's just like, Oh, of course we, of course I don't understand because I don't speak Spanish. Yeah. Um, but it doesn't matter because I get what they're talking you, about. Yeah, you you understand what what's happening to them, like within those scenes. You understand. You get the gist of what they're saying, mm -hmm. even if you don't speak Spanish. 
Um, and it's also like, like that is, that's like the reality for a lot of people who live in this country. Like there are a lot of people who come to America and like only speak one language. Like they, or they, you know, they speak two languages and at home they speak their native tongue to each other. Like that's a normal thing that normal people do. And it doesn't all need to be in English to like, to make, uh, you know, the mass American audience, you know, feel safe and, and comfortable while they're watching the movie. Right. Like, I think it's cool that Spielberg, like, that's a deliberate choice. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think it's, yeah, I think it's kind of cheeky, too, and almost meta, in a sense, because yeah. so many times where that's happening, Anita's just like, English, please, yeah. like, we have to practice, where it's just like, oh, English, please, because the audience is watching, Yeah. kind of thing. So I thought that that was, like, neat and clever. And there's also, there's probably, like, a ton of, like, maybe not jokes, but, like, little, like, like inside, like, quips and stuff that people who speak Spanish will pick up on that people who are only English speakers won't, which right. is, like, that's also inviting in a, a new or, you know, a, a, another kind of audience for this movie. And, like, mm-hmm. the movie is, it's not just for English-speaking Americans. Like, this is a movie that is half about the Puerto Rican experience in America. So, like, why not show what that experience is? actually like including speaking spanish at home to your right to your relatives and loved ones right um i think it's interesting that we're talking about this film as a follow-up to macbeth because this you know this is based on romeo and juliet Mm, Um, the bard the bard yes another (laughs) another bard uh influenced film um just like lion king is based on hamlet this too is uh Tony is Romeo, uh, Maria is Juliet. Well, I thought it was the other way around. Right? Well, you know, it depends. <laughs> yeah. you know, it's 2022, you know, yeah. you can do it however you want. Uh, Riff is Mercutio. Yeah. And of course you have, you know, the Capulet family and, and the other the other family. But with that, the, even though that was just a, a dumb joke for me, there is a character who's thrown into this and I'm pretty sure she, she's not or they are not in like any of the stage versions. The, the, old, the, the old woman? No, not the old woman. The... Uh, She's a trans, or he's a trans oh. woman. Like, it's a, yes. it's a, it's, Any, it's, a wo- it's a woman who identifies as as a as a boy. Like, she wants to be right. a boy. She wants to, you know, do all the masculine things that the other, you know, jets are doing, and she wants to be part of the gang. And like, I, it it does it adds like just another layer to yeah. the movie. It's not. It could have. It could have been done in a way that just felt like, um, just kind of like like ham fisted, and just like, hey, we're just gonna throw in a trans character, but like, their story very much so contributes to what's going on in like the larger scheme of the story that's being told. Absolutely, you you basically took the words out of my mouth. The reason the reason that it works is because a it's its own little thing about the supporting character. And they have their own little arc, um, and B, it's a, it's the, the the point of of that arc essentially supports the main point of the film, where it's learning acceptance for something or someone that isn't you, that isn't what you relate to, mm-hmm. that there can be some person that's different than you, but so what. Like they care about the same things you do. Yeah. Um, and that struggle, it can be internal. It's mm-hmm. not just like the external forces of like, you're white, we're Puerto Rican, so we clash. Right. Like that internal struggle of like, well, like, where do I identify? Like, where do my sensibilities fall? Can I, you know, can I be both of these things at, at the same time? Can I be the version of myself that I want to be? And like, that's kind of what Tony and Maria are going through. Like, they just want to love the person that they love, but they're not able to because of external forces. Like, why can't anybody's just like love themselves for being the person that they are? Right. I think there's, it's, it's interesting because any, anybody's is in the original version, but I don't think it's, uh, I don't think it's, it's done the same way this film does it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, you know, it's interesting. Once again, I think it's kind of cheeky. It's just like, Oh, this trans character's name is anybody's. It could be anybody. Um, this then, anybody could be anybody. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it doesn't, you know, it doesn't matter. It could have been, it, it could have been a, 
it could have been a, like a, a white passing Puerto Rican who like had grown up in New York City longer than the other Puerto Rican immigrants and like therefore identified as a white person as opposed to as a Puerto Rican person. Like it again, this anybody could have been anybody's. Right. Um, and I think that's another thing that the film highlights more than I think versions of it I've seen in the past is that, you know, there isn't a wrong or, or right side. Like both, both have their reasons for what they're doing. Like, you know, racism obviously is wrong. <laughs> Let's be clear about that. Um, in terms of the, the jet standpoint, like they're misguided in that regard, but the truth is, is that Riff is not so different from from Bernardo. Like he he has no privilege, no opportunity. Mm-hmm. He's he's um, he's completely stuck, and now a victim of the society changing around him. The same way that Bernardo and the sharks are, and that's you know the ultimate irony of the story is that they're fighting against each other when really they should be fighting against the thing that's really oppressing both of their groups. The system. The system, man. The system, man. The cops, Dude, the coppers. There's fucking Officer Krupke. Uh, Funny uh, tidbit about Officer Krupke. He's played by Brian Darcy James, uh, who's a renowned Broadway actor. Uh, He was uh, Shrek in the Shrek musical. Um, He was also... You said renowned. Yeah. Broadway. I was not expecting the first... Example to yeah. be Shrek. He was Shrek, dude. <laughs> um, he was Burrs in The Wild Party. He's done... Uh, he was he was uh, the king in, in The Heights when it was at the public. Um, he was in another big thing, too. I can't remember. He's, he's also in Spotlight. Okay. Um, Brian Darcy's great. And he popped up in this just yeah. as a small bit role as Officer Krupke. I was like, oh, fuck yeah, Brian yeah. Darcy's in this. Dude, that's cool. a little... That's a... That's a nod to the to the theater kids. Yes, out there. yes. Exactly. Shout out to the theater kids. It's like good for you, Brian Darcy. You getting some scenes with Corey Stoll. Yeah, pretty rad. Um, shoot, I was gonna say some. Oh, I was gonna say something about like the whole like, like the two groups fighting against each other, but they should be fighting against the system, and like they're both aiming for the same thing. And I think that West Side Story is just like inherently. It's just like a story about the American dream and like what America means to people and that sort of ideal for that ideal for just like opportunity Mm -hmm. and both groups feel like they're missing the opportunity. Um, And the easiest thing to do is to fight against someone who you think is taking your opportunity when they're on like when they're essentially your peer, Um, like the whole idea of like punching like the the jets are like kind of punching down to the sharks and, and Puerto Rican immigrants, but like really they should be punching up to like, but they do also punch up to officer Krupke and like, and that system and the whole like off dear officer Krupke song. Like they're talking about how they're essentially set up for failure. Um, and the same thing with coming or not coming to America. Uh, is it just in America or the song itself yeah. is America. It's um, just, just, America. A, just America. America. But in that song, it's like, it's the same, it's the same thing. Like they're, they're talking about like the, the the hope of coming to America, but also all the despair and like the the lack of opportunity that you know they thought would be there when you emigrate to to the U.S. And it's like those two songs are very very different for so many different reasons, and like their 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 content and um and just like the style that they play out and stuff. But they're both kind of essentially getting to the same thing. Yeah, absolutely. And I think I think because of the way it's depicted to us, it's extremely effective because you see the hope that Anita has um, in that song America and how she sees opportunity here. And then her last scene in the film where she gets manhandled by all the Jets, um, she's completely broken now. She's lost Bernardo. She hates this country and she hates the people in it. All that hope and opportunity is now gone because of the people that lived here before she came here. Yeah, it's not what she thought it was. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It's pretty sad. It is. It's very sad. Um, that's why, you know, it's funny. I I feel like her, 
her, Bernardo, and Riff's arc are the most effective in this film. Um, and this is, I think, just a problem I have with the, the musical itself inherently is that I, I feel like it just, it ends so abruptly. I mean, it, yeah. it has to, there's not much, there's not much more to do with it, but you know, it's like Anita, uh, uh, not Anita, Maria is literally describing the final beat of her character arc with her final line. I can kill now because I know how to hate. <laughs> it's like, okay. <laughs> It's like, yeah, that's that's true. People don't talk like that. <laughs> yeah, so they they do. That's true. But I guess yeah, that's true. People also don't sing and dance in the streets. Yeah. But <laughs> that's true. It's a, it is a musical. Um, but you know, it's just like I, I'm, I'm 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 I unfortunately am just disinterested throughout the Maria and Tony scenes. I agree with yeah. you. I think Maria is pretty pretty good. Um, it's it's the ingenue trap. It's just like those characters are often not as interesting as the supporting roles around them. Not yeah. to say the actress didn't do a good job. I thought she did a very good job. Um, but I'm just not as interested in that cookie-cutter love story as yeah. I am in the social dynamics of these two gangs. Yeah. No, 100%. I think that's... I mean, it also, like, it shows in this version that that's what Spielberg was interested in. He mm -hmm. was much more interested in telling that story of like the social dynamics between uh, and like within the, the two groups, as opposed to here are two people who are destined to fall in love and spend the rest of time together, but they can't because everything is so tragic. Like he, I, I don't think that he was, he wasn't as interested in like highlighting that aspect of the story mm -hmm. as much as he was everything else. That's true. Um, I was going to, I was going to say, and like, I don't want to get like too political, but I was thinking about the question of like, like why make West Side Story now? Like why, like why is, is 2020 or 2021 or 2022 now? Like why is this the time where we need a retelling of West Side Story? Like we all know West Side Story. Like we can just watch the old version. Um, but like it is a story that's kind of like it's, it's replayed itself like time and time and time again in American history. And like, we've seen it play over again in recent years in a much more like apparent way that West side story, like the story unfolds in that you have this group of like white Americans who feel like they've been pushed up against the wall and they feel like they're being left out of like, you know, a, a bigger chunk of the pie. And instead of going after or trying to fix the actual like underlying problems of why that is, you choose an immigrant group of, and in recent memory, it's again, Latinos of like, just push all your problems and say that it's their fault instead mm -hmm. of like actually doing something substantial about it. And like, I don't think, I don't think that that's, a mistake. I don't think that's a happy coincidence. Like Spielberg is making an inherently political movie when he takes West Side Story and tells it now for modern audiences. Like he's he's showing the mirror to America. Like this is what you guys are doing now and it was fucked up then and it's still kind of fucked up now and also here's some cool music and camera work. <laughs> no, you're absolutely right and I think I think that's what's so neat about the... I think about the title of mm. this a lot, like West Side Story. It's almost... It's almost fairy tale-like. It's almost like tale as old as time kind of thing. It's like, yeah. here's this timeless story that's doomed to repeat itself. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's impressive because of how long ago this thing was written... And how, like you're saying, it's still relevant today, literally in our news and yeah. our media. It's not like, oh, there's some, you know, small pockets of, of you know, intolerance and yeah. racism and xenophobia in this country. It's like, no, this was the headlines yeah. for many this years like, that our president was, yeah. our, you know, stroking. Our, yeah, our president, like, kind of like lift, like lifted this story out of the ground and like 
made it relevant again. Like yeah. he he drummed up the hate that you know, quote unquote, like Jets display in it's, modern America. Yeah, it's you know, it's it's so depressing. I think for so many reasons. Um, obviously, you know, people who are ignorant or intolerant, you know, I, I don't think that, that they're, I mean, you know, it, it's hard to say. I, I want to say that I don't think they're necessarily deserving of pity, but you get to a point where you almost feel bad that it's like, you, what, you just don't know any better. Like, why are you so filled That's the riff hate? Right, exactly. Like, I don't agree that riff should be, you know, trying to push all the, all the Puerto Ricans out of the west side of Manhattan. But I understand where he's coming from. Yeah. It's, and like understanding why someone is doing something isn't excusing their yeah. behavior. As Dr. Manhattan once said. <laughs> I'm with, tired of these people. <laughs> yeah. Without condemning or condoning, I understand. Yeah. that's And that's what this movie is, is doing. Mm -hmm. um, and it doesn't necessarily give us like a hope for a brighter future. Right. It's just like. I understand what's happening. It's just a cycle. Yeah. Um, and as we see what happens to Maria at the end, it's like, it just, it doesn't stop. Um, who knows if it ever will? Uh, yeah. You know, we could be optimistic about the future and be like, oh, well, maybe one day everyone will change. Yeah. <laughs> um, or, you know, we could be pessimistic slash mm, a little more little realistic, realistic <laughs> yeah. and be like, as long as there are different people, there will always be people that are intolerant of the difference. Um, yeah. And that's a shame because imagine how much better so many things could be if that just weren't the case. I wonder if there's a way, and I guess Gangs of New York is like kind of this, this story. And I feel like this might from the jump sound like a weird comparison, but bear with me. Um, like the story of the Irish American is like pretty similar to the story of the Puerto Rican American mm -hmm. in West Side Story. And that like, you know, you first show up and people think that you're taking what's theirs as, as opposed to, you know, um, letting you be part of the, the pie and, you know, in Gangs of New York, we see how, um, you know, with like the, the, the race drafts and stuff and like the race riots and like in the civil war, like it kind of pitted Irish Irish Americans against black Americans and like you find another outlet to, you know, um, to express your anger as opposed to expressing it towards the right places. So like what's the, the, the jet characters, their ancestors have essentially lived the same story as the, the, the sharks and the Puerto Rican characters. Mm -hmm. Like they've lived that same thing. And I think the ending is like, like you're saying, it's like, it's a cycle. So like Puerto Ricans will acclimate to American culture and American society, but then there will be another group of people that come in and, you know, they're the new kids on the block. They're the new immigrants. And then Puerto Ricans are like, ah, oh, you know, those, those damn, mm -hmm. whatever they are. And they, whoops. Um, <laughs> and then they just like act out the same sort of cycle again to that group. I think it's, it's, it's intentionally shown to us, too, right at the beginning when the Jets are vandalizing the Puerto Rican neighborhood. They, they're vandalizing this seemingly nice neighborhood. Yeah. Um, and it's just like they're doing what they think the Sharks are doing. Yeah. It's just like, no, you're, you're the problem. <laughs> Let's talk about how, how well-made the movie is. Yes. Because for all of the dark political undertones, it is a objectively well-made film. Yes. It's shot well. It's lit well. It's acted well. It's sung well. It's danced well. <laughs> There's really not much negative I can say regarding the craft behind the making of it. No. Really, the, the only issues I have with it, and they're unfortunately two pretty big ones is the third act structure, and that's just inherent in the material itself. Mm -hmm. um, I just think everything that happens is a little abrupt. Uh, and I just, I, I, you know, I couldn't buy in to Ansel Elgort 
yeah loving this woman or her loving him yeah. they're staring into each other's eyes with the blankest of faces how um, can anyone love him yeah i don't know he looks like a, a socket wrench yeah. um good for the woman who played in uh maria though for yeah at least like somewhat selling that. yeah absolutely um so unfortunately, those uh, those are my two biggest. I know you just said, "Oh, let's talk about something <laughs> positive." Now here I am talking about what I didn't like about the yeah, film. No, no. Um, but yeah, those are the two big strikes I have against it. Is is the third act, and um, and the main love story. I feel they, they just didn't really do anything for me. And it's you know, there's so much else to like. It just sucks that it's such an integral part of what we're watching. Yeah, those are two br- pretty big things to be negatives to still like walk away from a movie and think that was cool. Oh yeah. It's certainly a cut above the rest. Yeah. For sure. I think let's talk about Stevie. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about Stevie for a sec. I, for a period of time, tried to adopt this hot take that Steven Spielberg is an overrated director. Mm -hmm. And then I started rewatching some of his movies, like rewatched the first Indiana Jones Rewatch War of the Worlds like five times a week. Jurassic Park, dude. Jurassic Park is the best blockbuster of all time. Don't at me. Um, I rewatched Schindler's List recently, which is just like one of the most incredible films ever crafted. Can I make a horrible? You know exactly what I'm going to say. I don't know what you're going to say, but say uh, it. Uh, oh, you don't know what I'm going to say. Um, I must admit, I'm, I'm shameful to admit this. Um, I've never seen. Schindler's List. It's it's quite the undertaking. Like yes. it's I think I'm intimidated by it. It it's that's understandable. It's one of those movies that like you should watch because it's it's one, it's so good, and two, it's so gosh darn important to just like being a, a person in this world today that like everyone should should see it because of because of that. Um but it's kind of one of those movies that, like, you watch once and you're in complete awe of what happened. You're like, that is... It's even weird to say it's an amazing film because it's about, like, the darkest subject matter ever. Of course. But it's an amazing movie. And you're like, okay, I'm happy I watched that. I never want to see that again in my life. Of course. Um, and I was like, I had never seen it. And I was like, I feel like I need to watch yeah. Schindler's List. That'll be our next roundtable discussion. <laughs> we'll invite you boys to. Please. A bunch of six grown men discussing Schindler's List. Yeah. <laughs> if we do that, I think it should just stay with us. Um, um, yeah, I mean, Spielberg is is funny, right? Like, I'm a fucking E.T. Yeah, like, I hate E.T. though. Okay, great. Uh, so, <laughs> we won't talk about E.T. Um, but the guy, like, he's, he is such a master at his craft that it's interesting, like, when you get a film like uh, Ready Player One. Yeah. Like, what the hell is this? Yeah. Um, and, you know, it's funny. I haven't seen it, but I've heard about it. Ready Player One? Yeah. It's not that good. Yeah. That's what I bad. assumed. Yeah. Um, but it's our esteemed colleague, Fernando. I remember it came out, and he had a three out of five star review for it. And I was yeah. like, this seems pretty high for that film yeah. from Fernando. Yeah. Uh, the most critical critic we know. Um. And I remember his review saying something along the lines of, uh, like, a lot here to dislike, um, but Spielberg has some really interesting ideas. He is a weird dude. <laughs> and anytime I think of Steven Spielberg, I think about Fernando's review of Ready Player One saying, that Steven Spielberg is a weird dude. He is a weird dude. And it's e- it's so easy to, like, dismiss him as, oh, he's overrated. He, you know, all of his movies are the same. He just makes big, dumb blockbuster movies. But then, like, you watch something like West Side Story, and for me, like, one of the biggest takeaways was, oh, this dude, like, really knows how to direct a movie. Like, he is technically just operating on a completely different level than, like, any other movie that I've seen in the last couple of years. Like, this is an exceptionally well-made movie, and when the dude wants to make a movie, like, he can direct the fuck out of something... Um, and I think like he gets some shit because he's, he's just the dude who, you know, he, he makes big blockbusters and like, that's it. He just makes dumb popcorn movies, but like, no, the dude can really, really direct. And it's like super evident in West Side Story. I, I think it's, I think it's very apparent. And I think what's so unique about, I mean, he does this in some of his other films, but I, 
paid, I, I was very aware of it in this one, where it feels like the camera is the way he sees this story. Dude, the camera work in this movie is utterly insane. Mm -hmm. It's outrageous. It's uh, it's it's like it's hard to explain. I think, like for me, it uh, and like I'm sure that there are like a lot of reviews that say similar things, but it feels like the camera's like like dancing with the characters, like in all the music numbers, like the way that the camera moves is like so musical. And that's not an easy thing to do. Like, it's really easy to make a, a musical, like, even, like, something like In the Heights, which is, like, a, a good movie, solid movie. It doesn't use the medium of film to enhance what it's trying to do. Like, okay, this is a musical movie. What can we do behind the camera or with the camera to further that understanding that you're watching right. a musical like oh we make the camera dance we put it on these insane we do these insane crane shots where you know the camera is like is moving with like along to uh the, with the movements of the dancers mm -hmm. or the way that it like swipes and zooms from like one place to another it feels like it's hitting every beat and it's just like that's insane and like but that's what you should be doing when you're making a musical you don't just plop the camera down or you plop like eight master shots and then you see wh which ones look okay and you cut it together like no the, the, the dude like knew what like how he wanted the camera to move for each song and it's i don't know like it blew my mind i feel like i haven't seen a movie a, a, a camera in a movie move the way that that it does in this no you're absolutely spot on and you pick up on it almost immediately just the way the when you know when the jets go up on releve, which is, means when they're on their tippy toes, <laughs> like the camera does the same thing. It like yeah. floats with them exactly like you're saying. Um, and in addition to that, just the way what the, what the camera has us focus on in the scene work, just very simple stuff like angles and, and height and how the scene is lit and what the camera really is in focus on. It's all tools that are purposeful and done in such a way to communicate something with us. Like we always say when we talk about a film that's, yeah. that's well shot. Like, yeah, it's like, even like, obviously like the, even things like the costuming and like the coloring, like it, it's all very simple, but it goes a long way in telling your story when you, when you pay attention to those things and there's actual care and passion and like an actual craft that goes into to doing all of that stuff instead of just like you throw together whatever's there and you hope for the best because you have some big name actors or whatever. Right. Like, no, like this movie, like each, each shot is, is meant to, to, to tell us a story. Um, each edit is, is done purposefully. Like each costume is picked out to tell us more about the, the character that's wearing it. And like, those things go a long way, and people feel that when they watch a movie. Absolutely. I don't know, man. I couldn't have said it better myself. Raph, I'm ecstatic to hear how much you enjoyed. Uh, I'm a big, uh, I'm a big musical guy. Yeah, I'm. Yeah, that's right. You're a champion of La La Land. I, I um, am a champion of La La yeah. Land. Um, tell me ultimately how you would rate this film if you would recommend it, and a nice little bullet point as to why. Dude, I would. I think it's very clear that I would recommend this movie mm -hmm. to anyone. Um, just watch it because it's it's really good. And people should watch good movies, and people should care about good movies. Weird thought. Um, ultimately, I I think I gave this a rating of four stars out of five. Almost want to give it four and a half, but I don't think it can quite get there. Again, like we said, like the stuff with Ansel is just like it's yes. so hard to to overlook both the off-screen and on-screen problems with him. Um, and like you said, the third act, it, it, I think everyone who watches this feels the same way that the third act gets kind of like muddy and it feels it feels a little weird. The uh, juxtaposing I feel pretty right after the knife fight, I know it's like a deliberate choice, but it's still, it's like so jarring every time. Yeah. Um, but yeah, man, four, four out of five stars, like I just really enjoyed watching a movie that um, 
that a filmmaker clearly cared about making and um, was just like firing on all cylinders technically. Um, I think that's cool, and I think it's a it, it's always going to be an interesting story. Very so, well yeah. said. Very well said. What about you, uh, my good sir? I echo your sentiments uh, for the most part. Uh, I think that uh, the main love story being a detractor, I think affects me a little bit more than I think it should. But in spite of that, it's like you said, you can't refute it. It's just a well-made film. I think it's exciting, um, which is like how many movie musicals can you say are exciting? Yeah. Um, I think it's a really nice, insightful look into the issues then and the issues now. Uh, I think, as we've said, it's exceptionally well shot. I think the supporting cast is just off the chain. Um, and I would recommend this film pretty much to anyone. It's almost great for me. Almost. I think it's very, very good. I'm going to give it three and a half out of five. What? Three and a half. Wow. This is my second favorite movie of the year. I'm so sorry, dude. After Lickza. Lickza. Lickza was delicious, <laughs> dude. That's not something you think you would say um, about Licorice Pizza. Although, if if I'm being honest with you, West Side Story is probably my second favorite as well. That, Lickza, and Macbeth are probably the, the best three I've seen this year. Damn, dude. That's our last three. Yeah. We're out of good movies. We are, yeah. Yeah. God, now I have to, we have to get back to the crap. Yeah. I do wonder though, I, I do, I think for me, I think a big reason why I enjoyed this movie so much was because I got to see it in theaters. Like I truly think that this is a movie that benefits from a theater watching experience. It is a spectacle. Yeah. It, it, it deserves like the way that it's shot and everything. It deserves to be seen on, on a big screen. So I wonder if, if you had seen it in, in theaters if you would feel any differently. That's so you true. Maybe bump it up a little bit. It's, so. it's entirely possible. Maybe if I couldn't have turned my brain off yeah. when Elgort was on screen <laughs> because I, there was nothing There's else. No I'm in a big option. dark room yeah. and a giant, his giant face is there. Yeah, that's true. Possibly. Can't check right. No, I can't. I can't. Yeah, right. What do people think about this? <laughs> <laughs> I need help here. Um, Raph, excellent discussion. Stellar film. Enjoyed that immensely. Like I always say when we talk about a movie we like, it's always nice. It is always nice to talk about movies that we like. Yeah. We've been talking about movies that we like a lot recently. Absolutely. We should talk about some um, of that shit next time. Yeah, something that's garbage. Also, another another disclaimer I want to throw out there for anyone who's listening or anyone who might be in the biz. This podcast is purely for entertainment. We don't... When we talk about people being hacks <laughs> or people doing shit work... It's not an offense towards the person. We're hacks ourselves. <laughs> we can't do what these people do. The worst performance we've ever seen is a better performance than we can likely give ourselves. This is this is very true. If we yes. weren't actual hacks, we would be making movies instead right, of exactly. talking about them. Well, you do make movies. I try. So I'm, I'm the real hack here. I try to. I attempt to. You do. Eh. You, you do more than most. I guess that's true. Yeah. But that's not saying much. But yeah, Steven Spielberg is a hack. <laughs> what does that guy know? Raph, where can people find more about your hot hack takes? Dude, people can see my ha hot my hack takes. <laughs> my hack takes. They are hack takes, honestly. You can you can find my hack takes online on Twitter and Instagram and on Letterboxd at Rafstit, all one word, R-E-F-S-T-I-T-T. -T. Follow me there for hackery. Michael, Very nice. what about you? My hackery can be found on the Hinstas as well at Michael underscore Romeo underscore Rocco underscore. That's Michael Romeo Rocco underscores in between and at the end. Last name R-U-O-C-C-O. Michael underscore Romeo underscore Rocco underscore. I can also be found on Twitter and Letterboxd at Michael underscore Rocco. And you can find both Raph and myself and the podcast proper wherever you listen to your podcasts. Raph, that's another one for the books, baby. Hell yeah, baby. Yeah. It's a good one. Pretty rad. Yeah, dude. Steven Spielberg is a hack. Um, <laughs> who else is a hack? Christopher Nolan is a hack. Yep. Uh, Denis is a hack. Anyone who's ever made a movie is a Anyone hack. Anyone who's ever... Yeah, yeah, essentially. If you've ever made a movie in your life, you're a hack. <laughs>
We'll see you next time for more hackaroonies. <laughs>